Gather round and listen to tales of great adventure and brave heroes. Tales of daring individuals fighting monsters and claiming treasure. Tales of bards trying to get into the pants of savage beasts to avoid losing a fight. Tales of people drinking beer, eating pizza, and rolling dice. Tales of people losing their minds over the things that happen to people who only exist in their mind. This is Roland Bones, and I am Ryan Howard. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Roland Bones with Ryan Howard, your source for the best in RPG interviews. I am your host, Ryan Howard, and we've got a very special episode today. Every episode of Roland Bones with Ryan Howard is a very special episode. Have you ever noticed that? I'm very bad at using a variety of words. I've, I've noticed that as I've been editing these podcasts. I say a lot of the same phrases over and over again, and I don't know if it annoys you guys, but it annoys me. So, uh, yeah, here's to uh, me varying my vocabulary in 2020. Hopefully that is a reality that I can make happen. Uh, So, yeah, today we are talking to uh, Matt Jowett. He runs the Grim and Perilous Twitch channel, and uh, he uh, most notably streams Zweihander RPG, which has been a, a recent focus of this channel. So, uh, yeah, we talked to him about, uh, you know, what it's like to run kind of a hardcore RPG uh, kind of the appeal of running hard games, and uh, how I'm going to uh, start playing in some uh, some stream games, or maybe even uh, running a stream game at some point in the future. So uh, yeah, we, we talk a lot about that. Uh, before we get started today, I'm going to kind of bring back something that I used to do uh, back in the day, because what I've realized about the show is I give you guys good interviews, but there's not a lot of opportunity for you guys to get to know me as a host, a player, interviewer, a DM. And so I'm going to kind of bring back the, uh, the the rant from behind the screen. I'm not going to do the whole intro that I usually do, but I'm just going to tell you guys a story from kind of my experience in RPGs throughout the weeks as, you know, I, I'm recording and editing these episodes. And so today I'm going to talk about something that I did in my Wednesday night Dark Sun game that was risky, but paid off. So what I did was I threw an encounter at my players that was impossible for them to beat. They are a level three party. They just leveled up after this event, but at the time of the encounter, they were a level three party. And I threw a CR 17 monster that had 200 hit points and could not be harmed by non-magical weapons. It was also immune to psychic damage, which one of them is a psionicist. So, you know, that's, that's a large amount of their damage output that you just that could do nothing to this uh, particular monster. I threw that at them, and it trounced them. And the reason that I did that was to introduce two things. One was the concept of defiling within Dark Sun, 
because they'd heard about it, but they had not seen it as their characters in the game. And the second was to introduce just how powerful a Sorcerer King actually was. For context, uh, the, the story behind their campaign is right now they are transporting essentially a 14-year-old boy who is to be the next Sorcerer King of Tyr, uh, because the Sorcerer King of Tyr is killed in this timeline. And they're transporting him from Uruk to Tyr uh, on behalf of one of the merchant houses. So they did not know what they were carrying. They had no idea the cargo that they were carrying, and this was done on purpose by kind of the, the merchant house that they're working on behalf of. So they, during one session, they kind of snooped in the, the hidden compartment that this uh, this guy was hidden in, and they, they saw him, but they had no idea what he was. And so at this point, they're facing down this enemy that is going to kill all of them and going to kill the entire retinue of guards that's with them on this caravan. And then this boy steps out, and uh, he he power word killed the thing. That's that's what I had him do because that is that's a spell that's very good narratively, but in game it's very anticlimactic. If one of your players uses that on an end boss, it it ends up being like I said anticlimactic. And uh, you know if if like an enemy uses that during an encounter, it's. It's a spell that only works narratively, I've found. I, I will get into kind of the problem with Power Word Kill in a future day, probably. But essentially, he came out and, you know, psionically messed with this thing and, you know, essentially got it down to 100 hit points and then Power Word killed it. And in doing this, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with the way defiling works in Dark Sun, basically you draw your magical energy from everything around you. And so to to recklessly use a power like that, to recklessly use a super high-level spell like that, you defile massive amounts of land, and all the vegetation, all the land around becomes essentially like black soil. Nothing can grow there for a certain amount of time, depending on how powerful the, the magic that you used was. And so this kid steps out and very recklessly defiles a huge area of of land around where they are to kill this uh, this creature, this nightmare beast that I threw at them. And I was worried that this was not going to go over well because that setup breaks a cardinal rule of dungeon mastering, which is don't put the NPC or don't put the PCs in a situation where they're essentially robbed of their agency and they're bailed out by a super powerful NPC. <coughs> because a lot of times what happens in those situations is the DM like I said, has, has taken away the agency of the players and takes the the focus and the attention off of the players and puts it on their super powerful DMPC. But the way in which this was done, I feel like kind of changes the context because this was this was very much not me trying to introduce a DMPC who's going to take the spotlight away from the players. This was me introducing a character that the players are going to have to interact with, and, you know, the, the players' interactions with this character is going to change the outcome of how kind of the game goes. And this is a character that's unbelievably powerful, but like I said, he's 14 years old. So he has no real wisdom, no frame of reference for, you know, how he should use his power, and essentially he only uses that power when he feels threatened. He, this is the kind of thing, and they, they've not heard this yet, but he's done this thing before. 
He's defiled a massive amount of land to kill something that was threatening his life before. And they're going to find that out and they're going to have to, you know, deal with this character who's essentially going to be placed in a position at a very young age with, like I said, no wisdom, no life experience. He's going to be placed in a position of power because he's being sold to Tyr as a new Sorcerer King. And he's going to have all of these people who are going to be doing his bidding in expectation that they're going to, you know, get pieces of his power. That's how, you know, the Templars work in, in Dark Sun. And so it's very much going to be on the players, you know, how, how are you going to try to shape this young mind? Are you going to try to essentially save his soul and save the souls of, you know, the people of Tyr and, and potentially raise up a good Sorcerer King or even a Preserver Sorcerer King? Because they've had contact with the Veiled Alliance and, you know, they'll be able to access this, uh, this very powerful Sorcerer and in many ways shape his mind, but they're going to be doing this opposed because they are going to be in contention with the merchant house that is transporting this boy and selling him to the uh, the Templars of Tyr, and then they're going to have to contend with the Templars themselves who are thirsty for power because their original source of power, Kallik, the Sorcerer King of Tyr, is dead, and they want that power back. So they're, they're going to have to contend with all of these different forces essentially to bring about a force of good within the, the world of Athos, within the world of Dark Sun, and all of that is foreshadowed by this one event where a boy recklessly uses a massive amount of power to save them and to save himself. And all of that comes from the situation that in another context, if, I, if I'd done this differently, this would have probably upset my players. And I was afraid, even within this context, that it would upset my players. Because in the way that it worked out, most of them dropped during this encounter. Most of them were rolling death saves. The cleric did not drop, and he was able to, you know, use healing spells on them to, uh, to save their lives. But, you know, most of them dropped. Some of them were very close to dying. Uh, I believe our monk actually failed two death saves. So that he was very close to dying. Master Self very nearly died and uh to the point where his his player was you know talking about you know okay this is what my next character is going to be you know kind of on the fly coming up with his next character concept because this this character was in all likelihood as far as he knew going to die i had no intention of killing any of them had it come up though you know had, like had that situation happened had they were they hit by an, an area of effect spell yeah i would have killed them i didn't set out to do it but contextually if it happened then yeah it it would happen. Why do I tell this story? Well, I tell the story because we have a tendency, and I have a tendency, to tell people that there are hard and fast rules of how you should or should not play Dungeons & Dragons, but every rule has an exception. Every rule has an exception when it comes to creating narrative excellence or, you know, introducing something to your players. You know, if you have something like this planned, make sure that the context is there and make sure that your players will at some point get their agency back and, and will have some agency moving forward and, and will kind of grow as characters out of this event. Make sure that this event serves a purpose other than you introducing some super powerful character that you're super proud of that's going to take the focus off of the players. Anything in this game is open. Anything can be done. Even stuff that maybe shouldn't be done in most contexts. 
it's on you as a dungeon master to make the context fit within what your players want. And it's on you to understand the players that you have at the table and what's going to upset them or what's going to initially upset them, but, you know, eventually will create something that they'll enjoy or what's going to upset their characters, but excite them as players. And so it's all about knowing your audience and knowing what you can and cannot get away with at the table and, you know, having a plan moving forward as to how you're you're going to pay it forward to the players where, okay, at this point, you know, you were without agency, you were weak, you were helpless, but at another point down the line, you're going to have power, you're going to be able to overcome this thing that initially kind of robbed you of your agency, and you're going to be able to exert your agency upon that thing. That is kind of the end goal of doing something like this, is to create a situation where your players are going to have more agency and more of an impact on things to come than they did at that moment where they felt helpless. So yeah, that's that's basically my story. Um, is it something that you should do on a regular basis? Absolutely not. No, that that's not good practice. But if you have a specific context where it'll work, if you have a story in mind where, you know, that, that kind of thing is necessary and your players won't mind, your players won't be upset, or they'll be upset as characters, but as players they'll be excited, then give it a try. Do something risky. It's it's cool to take risks in your, your D&D games and to kind of throw the rulebook out every once in a while. So yeah, that's it for my, my story time this week. We're going to get into this interview with Matt here in just a second. Uh, I do want to say, uh, first of all, I apologize for the way my voice sounds now and the way my voice sounds in the interview. I'm getting over a sinus infection, uh, so yeah, thing, things are going to be a little bit touch-and-go in this this episode. Um, but yeah, that's just uh, what I'm dealing with right now. I'm a little bit short of breath right now, so if you can hear that in my voice, I'm sorry. But yeah, just uh, I'm, I'm letting you know, um, moving forward, uh, 2020 is very much going to be uh, the year that I want this podcast to take off. By the end of this year, I, I want to have a big audience and I want to have big guests on that can can draw more people in. And I'm going to be taking a lot of steps to bring that idea to fruition. And so there might be a few changes along the way. I'm going to be doing podcasting classes that will hopefully help me uh, you know, build an audience and, and create the best possible product. So things might change along the way. The show might be very different at the end of 2020 than it is right now. Uh, I'm going to be setting up ways for you guys to engage with me. Priority one right now is setting up a website and uh, an email system so that people can contact me and I can turn the segment at the beginning into like a question and answer type segment. Yeah, that's just, there's going to be a lot of change moving forward in 2020. I'm very excited about where the show will go, and I hope you guys are excited as well. So without further ado, let's get into the meat of today's episode, my interview with Matt Jowett. I hope you guys love it. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Roland Bones. He runs the Grim and Perilous Gaming Channel on Twitch. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Mr. Matt Jowett. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you. Wow, what an intro. Thanks so much. Oh, no problem at all. It's it's a pleasure to, to talk to you. Daniel Fox, as those of you who have listened to the show before know, Daniel mentioned that, that you guys stream Zweihander on Twitch 
And when he told me that, I I thought, you know, it'd be cool to have you on the show as well. And then uh, someone who follows both of us on Twitter ended up uh, mentioning something in one of the threads that I posted. And so I reached out and here we are. We're here now chatting. Absolutely. So, Matt, I'm going to start this interview the same way I start every single interview. Um, I'm going to ask you these questions that I ask everyone. So, first and foremost, how did you get into RPGs? Oh, do you want the long answer or the short answer? Yeah, you can do the long answer. All right. Well, I ooh, it started a group of friends and myself. We um, It's probably back in the mid to early 90s. We were looking for something to play, something to get into. Uh, as a group, we'd pool our money together. We were, I don't know, uh, 12, 13 at the time. Pool our money together, we'd buy things as a group because we couldn't afford to buy games and things like that on our own. So we pooled our money together, and I think the first thing we bought was a Warhammer 40K set that was out at the time. It was Orcs and Space Marines. We played that for a little bit, and we had fun, but didn't quite grab our attention. So we pooled our money together, and we bought um, Battletech, and we did that with the minis and played that for a while. And uh, it was good, but it didn't really grab our attention long term either. One of one of my friends suggested, "Hey, how about we try this Dungeons and Dragons game that uh, that's out there?" We're all like, "What's that? What's that?" So we uh, we scraped together our allowance and our money, and we uh, bought the uh, Player's Handbook and the Monster Manual, I believe, second edition. It was AD and D um, at that time, and um, yeah, we started playing from there, and we got bit. We got bit by the bug. We played that for years. Um, we expanded into Star Wars and Cyberpunk 2020 and all kinds of other games at that time. But that's really was the the genesis. We were looking for something to uh, to play as a group and have friends, and uh, that's what caught our attention ultimately. Awesome. So over the years and over the the various games that you've played, what would you say is your favorite system that you've you've played in? Ooh, uh, favorite system. You know, it changes. Um, I have a favorite system for different moods or different purposes. Um, on the channel, we run a variety of games other than Zweihander. And um, I've come to really appreciate uh, the different design mechanics in certain games for certain things. So, uh, for example, I ran uh, Tiny Dungeons earlier this year on the channel and also Tiny Supers. And it's a stripped down, easy to approach game. You only roll 2d6s in it for everything and um there's no stats there's no skills there's no nothing um so for me that that has become my go-to new welcome to role-playing games game to get people initiated in if i want something crunchier with a little bit more uh a little bit more oomph to it i tend to lean towards something like a zweihander where uh i've i can uh i can really get into the system and feel that crunch and then there's a whole bunch of games in between. I love D6 games. I love Savage Worlds for that kind of in-between itch for when I feel like running or playing a pulp-type game. I, I love that. I love um, the Fantasy Flight Star Wars system they have with the failing with success and succeeding with failures. And I, I think that those those dice and the narratives that they tell are perfect uh, for that type of game. So um, it really depends on on what I'm in the mood for, to be perfectly honest. Now, going back to that first uh, second edition game that you played with your friends, do you remember that first character that you played? I do. I do. He was your stereotypical take-no-prisoners dwarven fighter. <laughs> His name was Gim. He was heavily inspired by an anime I'd seen at that time, The Record of Lotus War. So I essentially made that character, if you've ever seen it. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, he was just a, an elf-hating dungeon delving 
no-nonsense little dwarf carrying a battle axe. It's always it's always good to start in one of those uh, classic places. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And people are getting sick of me saying this, but my first character was the rangeriest ranger to ever ranger. <laughs> well, that's just it, yeah, I was the dwarviest dwarf to ever dwarf. <laughs> absolutely over the years as we play these games we kind of develop our own style both as players and as gms so how would you describe your play style both as a gm and a player good question as a player it's i find myself as a player i like to move the plot along as a player i don't like to get hung up sometimes in these little side things or off quests and i was like let's let's keep riding the prize people let's keep going let's keep going and i don't know if maybe that's because i feel so much sympathy for the gm now that i I gm more than anything else these days so all right guys this is nothing this is nonsense let's just keep on with the quest or let's keep on going here um but when i'm gming i like it when the players want to go off that path or they want to explore something like I drop something in a sentence and they pick up on it and they're like, Oh, let's go there. Let's check that out. I love it. I love, I love it when they do that. And I like when they want to um, go off of that beaten path and uh, really expand and explore the world. Because I like to run a game where there's, there is a story, there's an overarching story, but that's not, you're not on a railroad. You, you can you can take the breadcrumbs leading off the path at any time, and we're going to fully explore it, and we're going to do whatever you want. So, again, playing this game as long as you have, I'm sure there's a lot of memories that you associate with RPGs, but if you had to pick one that was a standout, fondest RPG memory, what would that be? Wow. Uh, <laughs> that is a great question. One memory I had to choose. You'd, I might... Uh, as lame as it is, it might be something that happened last year. And I know that's still new and fresh, and it's not something that's stuck with me over the years. Um, but I ran the um, the adventure module that came out for the Alien RPG uh, early, and uh, we ran that on the channel. And that is the first time, being both in the player's seat or in the GM seat, where I've actually seen the mechanics of the game transfer to the players. I don't know if you've played or tried Alien or read much about it, but uh, stress is a huge mechanic in that game. It it is integral to the game. And watching the players actually stress out while I was running it, not just in character, but they themselves, showing stress, freaking out, watching them and hearing them curse, like I've never heard them curse before because they were getting so freaked out and so stressed by the situation and the compounding danger, uh, definitely stands out as one of my my favorite RPG memories of all time. And I'll definitely remember that for a very, very long time. Yeah, I haven't gotten that book yet, but I had Andrew Gaska on the podcast uh, back in October. He His episode actually went up on Halloween. I, I did that on purpose. Nice. But yeah, I, I would love to play that rpg and and even just to get the book because i mean there's a ton of rpg stuff that i have that i may never get to play <laughs> oh it's fantastic i love free league games i'm a free league fanboy and i've run just about all of their games at this point and um everything they put out i'm i'm a sucker for it i'll instantly back it i'll run it as soon as i get it it started with uh, forbidden lands last year and uh, once I, I ran that, I was hooked. I love the grittiness. I love the simplicity. I love the worlds and the tales that they build. We're running a, an ongoing Mutant Year Zero um, Grim and Perilous uh, session on the, uh, or game, I should say, on the Twitch right now, consisting of uh, members of Grim and Perilous Studios and 
they're, they're just eating it up and so am I. We're having so much fun digging into that. We've kind of converted everyone now to kind of free league fanboys and fangirls after that. Yeah, I definitely need to check out more of their stuff. Um, I mean, just like seeing the, the, the production value that they put into their books and stuff like that. It, it's definitely, they're definitely a company that I think need, needs to be more on my radar, especially now that I've you know talked with not just people who've worked on their stuff, but you know people who have enjoyed their stuff as much as as you have and and your your team has now sure. unfortunately at this point we have to kind of have to kind of sink the ship a little bit and uh <laughs> get into some uh some unpleasant memories because we share the table with all kinds of different people and some of these people we love and some of these people we just don't get along with and the worst of these people we reserve the term of that guy <laughs> so matt what is your best or worst that guy story oh i would probably have to go back to high school when we were playing um my group we we started playing i think in junior high and then we we continued on into high school and back in those days it was very it was hush hush you don't talk about table R, top rpgs you, you didn't dare bring the books to school it wasn't it wasn't cool but we heard rumors in high school of another another group that had just uh from another school that uh, that also played and ran games. We're like, oh, oh, there's others. So we we secretly uh, kind of like passed messages and set up like a, a group meet group kind of session, and uh, we played with these guys. And uh, the, their GM, when he was in the player seat, he was one of those guys that I'm going to be the best. I need I need I have all the best items. I have all the money. I have the best. They were playing stars with them. I have the best ship. I I'm essentially I'm I'm Boba Fett. I have Mandalorian armor. And uh, but the rest of you guys, you guys can't have money. You can't have anything. You can't have all the good armor. Uh, just me. Just me. I'm I, I'm the important one. So that's uh, <laughs> the my my worst type of player. That's kind of stuck with me over time. Um, was that guy? <laughs> but he did introduce us to a whole bunch of games. They played a lot of Palladium games, which my group had never touched. So they introduced us to um, Rifts, Beyond the Supernatural, Heroes Unlimited, um, Robotech. Ninja Turtles. So there were there were some good things that came out of that group. And we actually became good friends with those guys also after we discovered some kindred spirits. It was just uh, you knew when he was in the player seat, he needed to be the best and he had to have have everything. Yeah, I mean there's I I can always tolerate power gaming cuz I understand where that's coming from, but it's when it when it becomes power gaming at the expense of other people at the table is where there there's a line that has to be drawn. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that, that kind of just comes with playing RPGs. There's a lot of stuff that you can't get around just because you have decided to play a tabletop RPG. And some of the stuff we as players and GMs grow to love, but some of it kind of grates on us sometimes. So, Matt, what is your least favorite RPG cliché? Ooh, I'd have to say it is the, oh, what do you call them? Like the, the, the pillars, the... The, the elf, the dwarf, the human fighter, the cleric, the, the pillars of role-playing games that uh, a lot of us, and I myself, started making that, that dwarfiest dwarf that ever dwarfed, um, those those inherent um, pillars that, that seem to come with, uh, I think, all tabletop RPGs when people learn of them and they get into them. That's, uh, it irks me and bugs me because there's so much more to it than just that, and that's one of the reasons why I do loves Wyander so much and I gravitated towards it is uh, I don't know if you had a chance to play it uh, yet or not but you you start as a nobody you start as just some guy or gal some peasant you've got some petty job and um, you're not the best of the best you're not the elfiest elf that ever elf 
and you got to fight your way up uh, to survive. And when you do, it is an actual milestone, and you eventually do become someone. So yes, those 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 pillars. Uh, of of role playing are probably the, the the one thing that really stands out to me. Yeah, I've unfortunately I've not gotten the chance to play Zweihander yet. Um, I've read the book. I even did a review of it for uh, for this podcast, but I I haven't gotten a chance to run it or play in it. So uh, w- once I do, though, I, I do look forward to that that moment of kind of overcoming the character that you rolled in a way. Well, we got to get you on a game over on the channel sometime. If you want to play it i i would love that that would be a, a lot of fun cool set it up so this last question um this can be as philosophical or as sophomoric as you want it to be oh if you could put anything on a t-shirt matt what would it be oh that's easy <laughs> it would be the grim streamer <laughs> that's uh the moniker that one of the uh, one of our viewers had uh bestowed upon me when i was running forbidden lands on the channel earlier in uh, early in 2019 because i seem to kill at least one player a week so people showed up just to see the the gore and the blood they expected it every week and i got dubbed the grim streamer so if you come over on the channel and you watch any of the streams i typically have matt slash grim streamer under my name so i'd love i'd love to have my own (laughs) t-shirt absolutely have you ever thought about selling merch we have talked about it maybe in 2020 we'll we'll see some gnp and grim streamer merch gotcha so Matt, you are the first person I've had on who... Actually, maybe you're not the first, but you're the first person I've had who primarily focuses on streaming tabletop RPGs. So uh, tell me a little bit about how you decided to start that that kind of content. Well, I think I kind of fell into it. (laughs) It's really how it happened. So, oh, this is coming up on two years ago. I got involved with um, a group of folks who were putting together a West Marches style game using 5e. And for those of you who aren't familiar with West Marches, it's a it's a living, breathing world. Basically, you throw players on a map and you say, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? And they drive the narrative, they drive the game, and you just you, you just facilitate. So we had this grandiose idea to um, start this shared world with multiple GMs. We're going to stream all the games. We're going to have a giant corral of players that could just drop in and drop out at any time we were going to have town building and all kinds of crazy things it's very ambitious so it started on another channel praetor's rejects which is run by uh duff jimmy duffy uh he uh he took us all under his wing and he uh he gave us a home to to run this and i started streaming on his channel in um april of 2018 and uh, that ran for about six months and it fizzled out because i was the only gm streaming any games we had a couple of other gms and they were doing games, but it was very sporadic. And uh, I was the only other one that was streaming them on, on Duff's channel at the time. So it kind of fell apart. I got burned out. Um, people kind of went their own ways. Things happened. And I stopped. I stopped after that. And uh, I played in a regular Tuesday night game with friends that I'd been playing with for, I don't know, two or three years that I'd met online. And um, one night, one of them said, you've got all the gear. Why don't you stream our sessions? And I thought, that's silly. That's ridiculous. Why would I do that? Nobody's going to want to watch us. And then I I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I thought about it, and um, I was like, yeah, why not? Hell hell yeah. I've got got the mic. I've got the camera. I've got the lights. I've got the green screen. Let's do this. Let's stream our games, and if people want to watch them, so be it. So I I, I started a strategy at that point. I didn't just start streaming them out of the blue. 
I uh, I came up with a strategy for the channel, and I wanted to. Uh, I have a I have a shelf next to me full of games. I was like, well, this is a perfect excuse to get some of these games to the table that just I keep buying and keep piling up. So um, at the time, uh, Zweihander had just won Game of the Year and Product of the Year at the Ennies, and it had been sitting on my shelf for a couple months. And I thought, well, hell. What an opportunity. Let's capitalize on their success and let's stream some Zweihander as the first game on my channel. So set it up, prepped and all that. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. Daniel showed up in our chat and I was petrified. And I think our players were like, oh my God, the creator of the game's here. And he says he's watching us on his TV with all of his players. And I'm like, oh no, don't mess up the rules too, too bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, it went uh, from there. Gotcha. That's, that's pretty cool that you ended up uh, just kind of organically deciding, you know, hey, let's let's do this one. This is one that people are talking about now. And then Daniel just happened to find you guys. Well, I think I had promoted it on Twitter leading up to that. So that's how we heard about it. But I, I was shocked that he showed up. I was like, who cares about some guy running a game for his friends? Well, apparently the creator of the game did. Yeah, absolutely. So when you are streaming a session, what kind of uh, what kind of issues do you have to overcome <laughs> to make sure that you are just that that you're engaging the audience that's watching, but still engaging the players at the table? What's that like as a GM? <laughs> well, you can also add technical issues onto that because anybody who streams games will tell you, and I'm sure you doing this, you know, there are always technical issues. You'll think everything is set up, everything's good to go, everything's perfect. Something goes wrong. Uh, thankfully, I, I I took a lot of those bumps over on uh, Duff's channel on Praetor's Rejects when I was learning the ropes. Uh, so when I came to starting my own channel, I had uh, experienced a lot of those technical issues and I didn't, you know, panic or freeze up like I did on his by the time it came to mind. But um, interacting with both the players in the chat is definitely it is it takes some work because you're you're telling a story. You've got players who are engaged. You've got people who are watching that story, but you've also got people due to the medium who want to and take part in and be a part of the action. And that's that's the beauty of Twitch. That's why it's been so great and so awesome. People show up and they'll start throwing out things that they want to see or they'll make suggestions or sometimes be like, hey, chat, what's the name of this town? And I'll ask them and just let them, they'll be part of the narrative. Um, so it can be tricky when you've got questions that are coming up in chat. I've missed them from time to time. Thankfully, I have some great people who watch out and will remind me. We've also recently started doing on the channel where you can donate um, bits or money to flip fortune and misfortune in the game in the player's favor or my favor. Uh, so for those who are not familiar with fortune and misfortune, players start with a certain amount of fortune at the beginning of the game. They can use them to give themselves advantages, be it an extra action in combat, uh, reroll a failed uh, test or give themselves the maximum amount of damage on a damage roll, which then explodes and they get to re-roll. When they spend it, it flips to misfortune, and I get to use it for the exact same purposes. Uh, now, what we've done on the channel, though, is people can show up and they can donate to flip those at any time. So we'll have people show up and they'll just be like, ah, take it all away from the players, give it all to the GM, I want someone die tonight. Uh, so keeping track of those moments where people are donating money and they want to flip them and this and that, uh, has recently become a challenge uh, while also telling a story because these people, they're showing up, they want to take part, they're they're giving you their hard-earned money, uh, and you definitely don't want to miss uh, that coming up and you want to acknowledge it. Uh, at the same time, you'll have people who will also show up and put things in chat or they'll start following you and you could be in the middle of a really intense scene in the game and you want to thank them, but you don't want to break up the momentum. So it's a, definitely a fine line of 
remembering those things that are happening and bringing them up when the time is appropriate and thanking those people live on chat or interacting with them live on stream while not breaking the narrative for the players themselves and the other people that are watching. Yeah, that's that's something that I've always every time I've, I've seen someone streaming a game, I've always thought I I don't know that I could do that as a GM because I get so worked up over are the players enjoying it, and then I I couldn't even think about like if someone else was watching that session, are they enjoying that too? Because <laughs> I, I I'm such a compulsive entertainer. Yeah. I, I my wife says that I have to have everyone in the room like everyone in the room has to like me is how I <laughs> how I think and every time she says it I'm like yeah that's that's correct and so that I don't know that I could stream a game like that someday I'd love to try it like I said we'll get you on as a, as, as a player sometime you can you can see in the player seat you can see that you can interact with the chat and interact with the people and the others um, the other thing I forgot as you're mentioning that that the thing that I watch also is our viewer count. And when I start to watch it go down, I'm going in my head, I'm going, oh, great. Okay, what do we got to do? We got to move us along. We're losing people. What do we got to, what are we doing wrong? That's what usually drives me crazy more than anything else is watching that viewer count drop or go up. And it's like, okay, we got a bunch of people here. We need to entertain them. We need to keep them engaged. We don't want to lose these people to the 10,000 other shows or 1,000 other role-playing streams that are on right now. Yeah, absolutely. Now, focusing specifically on your show, if you were to pitch the story that you currently have your players going through right now to someone who has not listened or watched a, a single episode, what would that pitch be? <laughs> well, I run, oh, let's see, one, two, three, typically four nights a week, sometimes five nights a week. Due to that, I run a lot of modules and I'll string them together into one big campaign. So I don't have any that I'm running right now that are just like my own creation per se. I've taken some where I've, I've started with a module, I filled it in in between and then bridge that gap to the next module or, or quest that we're, uh, that I run for them. So I don't have anything that's, that's truly mine that I can take credit for, for a story. Um, the style of story though, in games that I do run typically tend to be gritty. Uh, I, I like grit. I like I like low magic. I like there to be danger, but not necessarily always death involved, but that there is that sense of things are going to come up, things are going to happen, and we may need to run away sometimes. It's not always the best course of action to stand there and fight everything. Um, yeah, really gritty, dark, at times deadly uh, games. And that goes for all of them across. doesn't matter which system or game I'm running. Right now we're, we're running... Coriolis, uh, Zweihander, of course, and Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea, and Mutant Year Zero. And all of those uh, have very real threats of uh, death and grittiness in them. And that's probably what attracted me to all of those games. Yeah, you, you're speaking my language right now because yeah. I'm, running, I'm running my Wednesday night group uh, through Dark Sun right now. Yes. Awesome. And and they are loving it so far. My Saturday night group with my wife and some of her friends, they are not as into that stuff. So, I'm running a higher magic everyone's stupidly overpowered game for them. Um, and and they're enjoying it, and I yeah. have fun doing that with them. But, you know, when I get with that Wednesday group and I get in that Dark Sun mentality, I'm just like, all right, who's going to almost die tonight? I, I love Dark Sun. That's my favorite D&D &D setting. It's one of the ones we bought back in the day. We bought a bunch of the box sets. Birthright, Dark Sun, Ravenloft, Forgotten Realms. We bought a whole bunch of played them, but the one stood out to our group back then was 
definitely Dark Sun. And I don't play or run 5e anymore, but that would definitely bring me back to wanting to play 5e um, is if they released Dark Sun setting. I would be all over it in a second. Yeah, there's on like D&D Beyond, if you go to the Ganassi section, like the Ganassi race page, there's a section about Athos. Okay. And there's there's a couple like things that you can find in, in the monster manual, like there's there's a Thrycreen and the Yeah. the like first monster manual they released. I get the feeling at some point they're going to put something out. I'm hoping it's this year because there seems to be, and it might just be my kind of D and D echo chamber that I'm in. Cause it seems like everyone that comes on the show is like, Oh yeah, I love dark sun. So I'm like, there's tons of people who love dark sun. I, it seems I, to me like now's the time. I feel the same way. Like on Twitter or anywhere else on social media, when people talk about settings they want to see, Dark Sun is usually like just leaps and bounds of the other ones in the in the poll. So I'm I'm also hoping uh, to see Dark Suns. I think the second one I keep seeing pop up is Spelljammer. It's one I never played, and that seems like a weird choice. But hey, I'd I'd, I'd be interested to see that for this generation of role playing players. You know, we the hobby is the biggest it's it's ever been. So. They, you know, we should be giving these people all these different settings, these different uh, places and people to play as that we had way back in the day. Yeah, if if Wizards were to put out the uh, the modules that it seems like everyone wants, then they'd be putting out Dark Sun, Planescape, and yes. then Spelljammer. Yes, that is, that's correct. That is the three that everybody right now wants to see. And with some of the people that they, you know, have on you know, the, these adventures that they're doing, like, I, I'd love to see what, like, Jim Zub would come up with for, for Dark Sun or for, uh, for Planescape. I, that'd be pretty interesting. Right? Yeah. Take, take today's role-playing minds and let them run wild in all these, those old so- settings. Absolutely. Hell, let Joe Manganello write it. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> He's got the star power. It'll sell. Yeah, absolutely. So, is there a game that you have not streamed that you would love to stream and then tell me why you want oh, to stream that particular game? There's a list of games. I have, I have stacks of books all around me that I have not run. Looking at it right now, the one that I've had the longest that has not made it to the table or stream has been Traveler, the current Mongoose Traveler. I would love to run it. I have thrown it out there time and time again, but I think it takes the right type of player to want to play it. Um, it's not, again, it's not a, a game where you are a hero. You're not a, a space wizard or, or a space samurai running around with laser swords and magic. You're an everyday ordinary person in space. And as I'm not sure if you're aware, but uh, Traveler's notorious that you can die in character creation. It's that type of a game. Um, so it's not for everybody. Whenever I threw it out there, everybody go, is that the one where you can die? And I'm like, yes, yes, you can die in character creation. But <laughs> So I, I, I've started getting a very small pool of people who are, who are interested in it. So I'm hoping in 2020, I will finally get Traveler to the to the virtual table. But that that's one of many, but that's probably the highest on my list. Just looking around at my, my books here. One that I've always wanted to see, and I don't know if anyone is currently streaming it, and someone probably is with all the games that are out there. I really want to see someone do a Mutants and Masterminds stream, though. Mutants and Masterminds. Why does that sound so familiar to me and it's not ring a bell? Uh, that's, it's a Green Ronin oh! uh, superhero game. Yeah, I think... I think I want to say someone out there is doing it. Um, 
I'm sure they are. But, you know, the superhero genre, I'm a huge, huge, huge superhero guy. I grew up on comics. Like, mm-hmm. I had always had comics around me. I'm an encyclopedia for comic book stuff, history through the 80s and 90s. I probably rattle off just about anything, any event, any creator and their works and all that. So, but one game I haven't run a lot of is superhero games. And I tried it years ago with Savage Worlds. Because Savage Worlds does pulp amazingly but when i took that power level up to superheroes it just it for me it crumbled apart i've heard of people making it work and that's awesome for me it didn't work and i kind of avoided superhero games after that because finding that that level of ease of entry and little crunch uh just i i couldn't find it um until i ran tiny supers this year from uh, galleon night games and um it's it's again it's like tiny dungeon or as I was mentioning before tiny dungeons sorry or no dungeon it's the only one that doesn't have an s on the end it isn't a plural but it's the same approach everything's a two d six there's no stats there's no skills character creation you choose the powers you want and they manifest however you decide and we played that on the channel and it worked magnificently we had low level superheroes that ran around with two pistols and they could manipulate shadows and things around them and we had people who could like call down the light of the moon to shoot beams at people and it worked it worked on such a great level so i would be interested in playing and trying mutants and masterminds at some point because i am such a superhero junkie i have not i've not bought that one and i have not seen or know a lot about it the cool thing about mutants and masterminds, um, both from like a player and a GM perspective, is if you know, as you've said, you are you're a huge comic book fan. The structure of a session and of a campaign is laid out like the structure of a comic book. And and Steve Kenson, the guy who created it, is a huge comic fan and a, a real student of the medium, and he nails that feeling. Interesting. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I've I've played it once and i've run it uh, a couple times because the one time i had like a flash of brilliance and i went i want to run a campaign with mutants and masterminds the idea was basically a little bit more pulp than actual superheroes but it's it was basically like golden age world war Two. Oh, nice session one involved them arriving on normandy beach to discover that there was a giant nazi robot there Awesome. The fight. Yes. You speak my language. It's pulp. I love pulp. I'm a pulp junkie. Unfortunately, shortly after that, because it was an online game and we had a bunch of different people in different time zones, it kind of fizzled out after that. But that one session was glorious. <laughs> and I've always wanted to, to return to that and, and to, to see what it would be like to, to just circle back around to that world that I created. Well, you should pick it up. This is the year to do it. Absolutely. That reminds me of, is, I'm trying to look it up right now, Godlike? I think it's a godlike is an RPG and it's set in World War II. Yes, godlike superhero role playing game in a world of fire, thirty six to forty six, an alternate history of World War II era superheroes. Um, that's also my radar. After you brought up your setting, it reminded me of that that game. It's another one I want. I mean to check out this year. Now that you said that, I definitely have to check that one out. So I have a question for you, uh, just regarding kind of uh, dark games in general, because I've discovered this about myself. Initially, the idea of a you know super easy to die in game was just kind of off putting to me. But the more I the more I thought about it, the more I wanted that challenge. Do you find that that's common for a lot of both players and GMs as they start getting more and more into kind of 
more brutal games? I do. I really do. I, but yes and no, I should say, because I have experience where I've run games like that for people who come from the I'm a god in my game. Uh, I'm there, There's certain games that are fantasy games. I won't name them, but you're essentially a superhero in that game and you're unstoppable and nothing can take you down. And it's very rare if, if something does. Um, and some people like that. And that's the game they want. And I've run I ran Forbidden Lands for a group like that and I, I prefaced it with it's inevitable you guys are going to die someone is going to die uh gear is important uh eating is important you need to like live your character like you'd live real life or you're going to die we got session two and I killed a player and it was the end of the world and I learned that I, I did I couldn't understand because I prefaced them going in this is grim this is gritty Someone's going to die eventually. It's going to happen sooner rather than later. And when it happened, we had like a two-hour debrief afterwards where I was mean and the game is terrible and all kinds of things were said. And I couldn't understand it. I was like, guys, I let you know this is this is how it was. And I learned at that point that people want different things out of their games. So uh, you're not always going to find the people that want to transition into those grim and grittier games. And you will. Also, at times, people have maybe they've they've I don't I don't want to say outgrown, but they're they're looking for something else, and they 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 want something other than that that god or superhero type game character that they're playing, and they they come to these grim and gritty games where it's inev- death is inevitable. Uh, you're gonna be you might as well bring a backup character with you to the table, and it's not that the GM's gunning for you and they're looking to kill you. It's just the nature of the game, like fight or flight. Sometimes, like I said earlier, um, so yes and no. Uh, you you have the people who want the games where they'll never die and they're they're always gonna be the the storied hero, and you're gonna have the people that over time get tired of that and they look for something else. And I'm I'm the latter. I I wanted something else. Um, and that's where how how and why I gravitated to these these darker grittier games that I run. Yeah, that's I mean that's definitely been my journey over the past year as an RPG appreciator and and a GM and very rarely a player. <laughs> I, I feel you. I found myself definitely the perma GM, but this idea that, you know, initially just the idea of having to roll stats when I was first learning how to play uh, Dungeons and Dragons, because I started with fifth edition. Okay. The idea of rolling stats, I was like, I want to do point by forever because rolling (laughs) stats sounds scary. (laughs) And I've come around to the point where next time I play a fifth edition game, I'm going to ask my GM if I can roll my stats 3d6 in order. Yes. Yes, you're going old school. We're running Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea right now on the channel, and it's it's AD&D and D&D, and so that's what we did. And the guys are playing it, they're, they, they played those games back then, and they love it. Um, I also have a player who came from the 5e in the current generation, and he's now fallen in love with random characterization. No matter what we play, whether it's in the rules or not, he'll search out online to see if there's someone's created random character generation rules because he's grown to love that. He loves the weird and and the bizarre or the super strong, whatever he ends up with. He wants that challenge to flex those uh, RPG muscles of his. That's the way he puts it. Yeah, because there's, I mean, there's definitely a challenge that comes with role playing a character that you didn't necessarily design from the ground up, and that's one thing. Uh, kind of bringing it back to Zweihander, that's one thing I really have to applaud Daniel for doing. 
because I went through when I first got that book, when he sent it to me, I went through and I rolled up a random character. And my f- first thought was, shit, I rolled a commoner. <laughs> what did you roll? Do you remember? Out of curiosity. Yeah, I rolled. Uh, so it was. I went with a, uh, I didn't do lineage or anything like that. So it was a human, male, and I got commoner, doomsayer. Oh, doomsayer. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So, and. And I was just like, oh, what do I do with this? And then I started thinking about it. I was like, okay, he's a doomsayer. And I got the, uh, I don't remember what it's called. It's it's like the the omen of your death, essentially. Yes, you're, um, oh, no, I can't remember what it's called. But uh, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, the one I got for that was the snake in the garden. So I, I was thinking, okay, so this guy, from his perspective, being a super religious person would see this as falling to temptation. So the ultimate goal of this guy would be to eradicate temptation. So I thought, end goal, I'm going to become an inquisitor. And then I was in my head trying to build out the the ways that I could could get to that that final stage of being an inquisitor. And I was like, he got me. He got me. <laughs> That's awesome. You're dooming. That's what it, yeah. it's called. You're, you rolled your dooming. It, it's funny. My characters uh, or my characters, my players in some of my games have started to embrace that now. So this past Friday, we ran a game. Uh, we're doing Enemy Within, the classic Warhammer uh, campaign. We're running the latest edition of it using Zweihander. And um, two of the guys in my group, one of them runs uh, a Zweihander game on tabletop to keyboard, Dustin. He's the GM there, and he's one of the guys who runs the channel. And another one of my regular players plays in that game. Well, two of his players from that game that he runs on his channel showed up, and they wanted blood. And uh, they wanted, we're going to kill someone tonight. We're going to kill the two of them. And uh, it came down to it. I was like, okay, if you guys die, I'll let you choose your profession. Because we rolled right. I'm going to let you make choose your profession for your next character. And they got into the... They went, wait, 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 what's my dooming? And they looked at the dooming on their character sheet and they're like, nope, it doesn't fit. I'm going to keep playing this character till it comes up and it fits. And I thought, that is awesome. <laughs> that is so good, guys. Yeah, it's it really is. It, it really is kind of like a miracle of RPGs, because when you see some of the stuff that's there, you're like, what if I roll something that's completely contradictory? Yeah. What if you do? <laughs> <laughs> Play it. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and it's a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. And I really, you know, I, I really do now want to incorporate some more randomness into the RPGs that I that I play in and that I run and just just have more of that challenge and you know, kind of expanding my horizons because this is the first time people might stop listening to the show after I say this. This is the first book I've read where you're not rolling a D20. That, that's very true. That is very true. You, people shouldn't leave over that. <laughs> Come on now. D20 is the most common rule set out there for most games. Well, yeah, but I, I come at this as like an authority on RPGs, so to speak, because I have a show that I put out myself. And, you know, maybe maybe some people will think, oh, you should have run into a percentile game before now, Ryan. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> all in good time there's there's more games than there is time absolutely and now now i have played uh i have played savage worlds and i i talked to shane hensley on the show so oh nice I'm, super I'm nice familiar with that oh yeah i love shane shane's fantastic and savage worlds is i love savage worlds savage worlds is what got me back in a role-playing game so i stopped after high school and um it took moving to a new city where i knew new knew nobody and had no friends 
And I learned somehow on the internet about this thing, Roll20. And this was like, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. And um, I played some Call of Cthulhu games. I enjoyed that. I never played that before. But then I found a posting for um, Deadlands Reloaded. And Deadlands was a game I always wanted to play. So I jumped in on that. And I fell in love with Savage Worlds. And it was the game that brought me back into role-playing, like I said, eight or nine years ago. So Savage Worlds is a very special place in my heart. And I love that system. Yeah, Deadlands... Deadlands has become kind of infamous on the show because I love Deadlands, but the one time I tried to run it, it was a disaster. We call Why? it the Deadlands incident. What, what happened? I put way too much time and energy into a whole bunch of lore that the players did not give a shit about because I <laughs> am a dork about Wild West history and I tried to make everything line up and have all these characters show up from, from Wild West history and I didn't count on the fact that none of my players knew who any of those people were. <laughs> so they're all like, so what? You're whoever, Bat Masterson, right? We, we don't know who you are and we don't care. Yeah, I'll never forget. I was like, and, and you look across the bar and you see Wyatt Earp sitting there. And they're like, I've heard that name before. And yeah. I was like, oh, come on. Yeah, come on, guys. <laughs> I'm a huge Western junkie, so I collect Western games. But I barely get them table because it's hard to find people who truly appreciate them and want to play them. Uh, Aces and Eights is here. We'll add that to the the, pot, the the list of games I bought at Gen Con last year, and um, I'd love to get to the table this year. But again, it, you need the right the right type of players who want to play it. You can't force it on them. Yeah, Aces and Eights. That's one. Uh, from what I understand about that game, like if you get in a gunfight, you are pretty much done at that point. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, so some of the stories I've heard about aces and eights are like basically your your gun is your very very last resort because yeah. if you get hit anywhere, old school rules of medicine, uh, you're losing that limb. You sure are. So you better hope you never have to draw that pistol. Gotcha. So as we're uh, as we're kind of winding down here a little bit, um, why don't you tell people about kind of what you have coming up in 2020 with uh, your, your various streams and, and the stuff that you're hoping to accomplish with your channel in in this year as we're starting it out. Great, great question. Yeah, thank you. So you can find us over at uh, twitch.tv slash Gaming. Uh, right now, the... and. For the, the the future, the foreseeable future, the focus is Zweihander until we have some new games coming out of uh, Grim and Perilous Studios. Uh, so expect to see lots of Zweihander on there. We have three three ongoing games that we have right now. I mentioned earlier Enemy Within, the classic Warhammer campaign, the thing of legend uh, dating back to the 1980s, uh, has recently had a new edition come out from Cubicle 7. And I'm taking that and I've been converting the first book over to Zweihander. We've been doing that for, oh, four or five sessions right now. We've had a fantastic, fantastic response to that. People are really interested in seeing, A, this this fabled campaign, and B, seeing it run with Zweihander, the, the spiritual successor to old school Warhammer. Uh, we have that going on. I have um, a group that's been dubbed Blood Sweets and Laudanum, which is a, uh, a group of... Uh, Content creators, much like you and I, they have podcasts, they have YouTube channels with advice, they have actual plays, and we've assembled a, a group together. We we're, we call ourselves the Notorious DMG, and we run games for one another, and I run Zweihander for them every other Thursday on the channel. And uh, so that's going on. The the Blood Sweets and Laudanum comes from this. The, the sweets part is because the uh, the figurehead, the, the so-called leader of the group, he's uh, a rather dapper ogre who is the uh, candy 
air for a very famous uh, candy production company in this world. So that's where we got the blood sweets and laudanum from uh, with them. So that's an ongoing. That's a lot of fun. We because they're, they're they're other GMs. They're forever GMs like you and I. Um, they have a lot of fun. We 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 <laughs> lots of laughs on that stream and. Um, Man, those guys take it anywhere and everywhere, and they keep me on my toes because they're they're GMs and they're relentless. They're like, oh, how can we make this difficult for Matt? But it's it's honestly one of the most fun games on the on the channel. And then the other Zweihander game is probably the longest running one we have. It's with a group of guys that I started my channel with um, almost two years ago, and they just I just been running module after module for them, and they're ongoing. They're now in their intermediate tier, and I can tell you that's a game changer. It's a completely different game when you hit intermediate. It. Uh, they are they are a lot more competent at everything they do. So it's um it uh it's a challenge for me at times, but a good challenge. Uh, outside of that, uh, you're gonna see our our continued ongoing Mutineer Zero Grim and Perilous Studios quote unquote home game. Even though we're our homes are all across uh, the U.S. and I'm in Canada, so all over the place. But it's our it's considered our home game. You'll see that ongoing on the channel. It's sporadic. Uh, it happens once in a while on Saturdays. Um. But that's going to be a long-term thing. Uh, it's it's a true dungeon, uh, not dungeon crawl, hex crawl, where you've got a map, you're slowly uncovering things, you're hearing rumors, you're trying to get to the bottom of this greater mystery and story arc. So that'll be ongoing. And then um, we have uh, we have a few tricks up our sleeve. I don't want to uh, give too too much away, but we're working on a, a number of things and. Uh, You'll definitely be seeing some new games coming to the channel um, in 2020, and uh, we have some strategies behind them without saying too, too much. Awesome. And uh, as just as we close out here, is there anything you want to promote? Any uh, other shameless plugs you want to you <laughs> throw in or anything like that? The, the microphone is yours. Oh, all right. Well, hey, follow, sub, whatever to uh, Grim and Perilous Gaming on Twitch. We'd love to have you there. We'd love to see you. Myself, the players, we're always interacting with the people in the chat. Uh, we're always looking for potential people to come join us as a player. Hopefully, uh, you know, Ryan. We'll get Ryan in there in a game or two. We'll get him in a one-shot or something for uh, Swyhander or anything else that he wants to play. Maybe maybe this is my excuse to do some Mutants and Masterminds. Get him in the player's seat. But, uh, yeah, please, please come check out the channel. It is the official home for Zweihander on Twitch. And uh, we'd love to have you there. Uh, we're running games constantly all the time well guys you uh you have your marching orders go uh go check them out on twitch um if you guys would want me to be on a a, a game i would love nothing more than to to join you that sounds like a ton of fun well let's do it we we got to talk about getting you in the uh, notorious dmg the group of forever <laughs> gms content creators we'll get you in there and start playing some games Absolutely. There is there's nothing crazier than a table full of dungeon masters. <laughs> yeah, you are correct. I get a very small taste of that with my Wednesday group because that is so I recently moved to Nashville, Tennessee from Charlotte, North Carolina. And that was I, I've been in Nashville now for almost a year. It'll okay. be a year in March. But when I moved here, I was interviewing some guys who run a uh, an after school program locally. Uh, for kids, where they run RPGs for them. Very cool. And they invited me to join their uh, their Wednesday night game. And so I joined, and I was initially playing, but then I volunteered to run a game for them, and that's how I ended up running Dark Sun. <laughs> and it's just, it's a table full of seasoned players, and, and a few, of, actually more than a few of them have DM'd before. And it's 
it's it's crazy the kind of stuff that you get from just super seasoned players who who don't often get the chance to play because usually they're running for other people. Mm-hmm. And you know, opportunities like that to just go crazy with a bunch of other people who have have not been let off the leash for for quite some time. <laughs> that sounds like a ton of fun. It is. It is. I'll, uh, I'll I'll shoot you a link after this. We'll get you in there. Hopefully I can shake the sinus infection sometime <laughs> soon. That's that's why there was not an episode last week, guys. Just so you know, I, I've actually been very sick coming out of the holidays. It's it's not been fun. Gotcha. Well, uh, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This was a lot of fun. I look forward to, to you know following what what you're doing on Twitch. And I've never been much of a uh, a, a viewer of RPG streams, but. You know, having had this conversation with you, I'm I'm definitely going to watch some of your stuff. And um, yeah, from there, I I just appreciate you you coming on the show next week, guys. I'm going to be doing another product review. Um, someone was kind enough to send me something that they are kickstarting right now, so I'll be uh, going over that. But we are uh, we're looking at some great interviews for the rest of 2020. And uh, before this month is over, you will hear from my first DM. Mo, he's going to be on the show. I'm going to wow. get him on, and we are going to kind of close the loop on my early days of gaming, that that series of episodes we've been doing with my friends. So until then, best of luck in all of your games. Dungeon Masters, best of luck in your preparation, and I will see you next time. <laughs>